praise. And now we're going to hear from his word. Turn with me to 1 Kings, 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Hope you have your Bible with you. Uh, if you don't have your phone, take it out. You got a Bible on that phone? Pull that phone Bible out. Follow me there. You can look on the screen. We have all these cheater ways to help you. We are an enabling society, aren't we? We're enabling you in every way and then wonder why we have to continue to enable. Yeah, if you'll just feed me, I'll come to your house every night and let you feed me. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Election Day is on Tuesday. I want to encourage all of you to vote. Do we still have those voter guides? we have any? I got them. On the pulpit, they're not there. Someone has moved them. Voter guides. Well, you try to find you one. If you need, you might need some help on those judges and things like that. Uh, so, take take your responsibility to vote seriously. If you don't, you may not have that right to vote someday. You know, that's a reality, and uh, we always want to encourage you to vote. First Kings chapter seventeen. Be praying for the Null family. They're suffering today. I usually don't bring things up in the pulpit like that just right before I preach, but we have a burden for those folks today. So pray for them. And uh, let's look at 1 Kings. Chapter 17, verses 1 to 24. I kind of titled it, God Will Provide. God does provide. And the ideal chapter 17 to verse, uh, chapter 22 in 1 Kings, we need to get to know the prophet Elijah. You know, I preach this stuff because you need to be stirred to go back to the Old Testament and read and study these stories, these things that God has recorded, because we need to know this. We need to know about Elijah. Because we need to know the God of Elijah. And so if you know Elijah and what he experienced, you know more about the God of Elijah. And he's your God too, but I don't know anything great about your life that we could encourage one another unless you'd share testimony with us. And most people won't do that. But we do have the testimony of Elijah and what God worked through him and how God dealt with him and through him. You know, the Bible says he was a man of like passion in the book of James. I like it. I like it saying that. He wasn't anything special in the sense that he was some kind of an angelic creature. He was a man of like passion, just like you women, just like us men. He was like us. And the Bible said, yet he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. God answered that prayer. God actually assigned him to make that prophecy. And then when he prayed again that it would, pray, would rain, it rained. And he sent his servant out to see if there was any signs of rain. Went out six times, he didn't see anything. Went out the seventh time, he saw a little cloud. Look at the faith of Elijah. He said, that's enough, it's going to rain. That's enough, it's going to rain. And it rained. Faith involved in that whole story, how God works his will through the will of man. 
bringing about his business. Well, we better get to the story. I, I, I've really been involved in these chapters, and they're good. Let's read this because we need to honor the word of God. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was uh, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, Ahab's the king at the time, how many of you see yourself like David in the Bible? Raise your hand. How many of you see yourself like uh, John or Paul in the Bible? Well, I want you to read about Ahab, and I'm sorry to say you'll see yourself like Ahab. We are so honored by the way we see ourselves, but the reality, I studied the book of 1 Samuel, and I studied about old Saul. And boy, we just don't like old Saul because he was a bad guy. He was a good guy to become a bad guy, right? So he's a bad guy. Lord, I think I'm more like Saul than I am anybody else in the Bible. Lord, help me. And then I got to reading about Ahab. I think, Lord, he ain't got much on me either. He just had more opportunities. (laughs) We're sinners, folks. (laughs) That's what we do. Uh, And we shouldn't try because we don't need to. Let's be the best we can be and watch that God's grace is our only hope. Well, he was an inhabitant of Gilead, verse 1. He said to Ahab, the king, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He had a word from God, by the way. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kirith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, And I have commanded a raven. God has commanded a raven to feed thee there. He's going to bring him food each day. Isn't that great? Got the grill out. Bring the food. Man, isn't that great? God's supplying his need. He's got the water, and he's going to eat a high-protein diet. That's good for you. Verse 5, And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. That's important. For he went and dwelt by the brook Kerith, that is before Jordan. And the raven brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. That's a story of my life, right? The brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Again, the word of the Lord came to them saying, Arise, get get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. First of all, it's a raven. Now it's a widow woman. Are things improving? I guess they are. I don't know. A raven, now a widow woman. I mean, when I say, are they improving? Uh, A widow woman doesn't have much, right? I mean, she's in trouble She's in trouble, right? He sends the prophet there for her to supply his need. Look at this thing and learn something from God. So he arose and went to Zarephath, verse 10. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Man, demanding old prophet, wasn't he? She's gathering up sticks, and he told her to go get him a drink of water. 
out of the well, verse 11, and as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Well, he's just giving out commands, isn't he? Well, somebody didn't tell him about, you know, this patriotic, you know, a patriot thing, you know, what, whatever they call it, where a men are dominant, you know, Me Too movement and those things. We, you better get caught up, Elijah. And so, verse 12, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel. A handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She had very little hope, didn't she? She's going to have fish sticks for her last meal. Right? And then verse 13, Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go, and do as thou said. Catch it. But make me, therefore, a little cake first. And bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. Look at this order that God gives this widow woman. This is not really, I'm joking when I talk about you know, the, 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 the man and all that and the relationship. and all. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding when I say that. But the reality, he's a prophet of God. And he has given her orders uh, for her to, to follow, to check out her humility. Now, every time you walk through a door uh, these days, your humility may be getting checked. When that little... 12-year-old about runs over you as you grab the door and you want to slap him, that's a good sign you need a humility check, right? Amen? So God has given her a humility check. And, and here, how do we know this Christian life? How do we know it's supposed to work? Well, it's supposed to work like this, putting God first and putting our needs after that. I'm not even going to say second. But after that. So what, where's faith come in? Putting God first and trusting God for the rest. So that, that's really what it is. That's really what's going on here. It, the command of, of Elijah is the command of God, God's word. It's not a male chauvinist. Okay? He, he's just giving out words. If she wants to see it that way and say, I'm not going to do it, that's rebellion. That's rebellion. Can we say amen to that? Yeah. I knew you ladies... Need to say amen there. Okay. We're not to correct everybody else. We're to correct ourselves. Verse 14. And thus saith the Lord God of Israel. The barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail. Unto the day that the Lord send rain upon the earth. That's the promise. Christians are to live on these commands of God. This humility we're to have before God, putting God first, and then the promises of God. Here's where we get that thing backwards. We want the promises first. No, you don't. You're not that way. Yes, we're all that way. We want the promise first. I don't know how many times I've seen people claiming God's promises without any consideration of His commands. It don't work that way. You say, well, it didn't work for me. Well, it's because you didn't get in the system right. We need to reprogram your mind into the system of God. Humility. Putting God first. 
gains a promise. This woman's going to die. She knows it. And he said, Here's, let me tell you what you need to do. He didn't tell you. He didn't tell her, let me tell you how to live. But that's what he's saying. He's telling her what she needs to do, and she's going to live as a result of it. So verse 14 is the promise. Verse 15, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She didn't trip over anything. She didn't trip over his attitude. She didn't trip over his words. Uh, she just did it. I don't know. Maybe she was that desperate in need. Or maybe I do know that God already told her to provide for Elijah. She was a praying woman, apparently. She even submitted to God's word that he gave her in her heart. He's already covered that with her. Now she's doing exactly what she should do. And she went, verse 15, and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel, look at it. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord, which he spake by the prophet Elijah. The word of the Lord. Just like reading the Bible. When Elijah spoke, it was just like reading the Bible. That was the word of the Lord. God doesn't speak to us like that because we have his word. Know that. Know that. Well, she's got this, she's got this barrel. Some of you can remember your grandmother having a big barrel of meal or barrel of flour. How many of you remember that? Anybody remember the parents having that? Yeah, I remember the sifter. Y'all remember the sifter? Yeah, we, we'll stop there. We could go on forever about that stuff, right? She's got this big old barrel, and it's almost empty. There's a handful of meal at the bottom of it. And she's got a cruise of oil. I don't know, it's corn oil, or I don't know, olive oil, lard. I hope it's lard, amen. Well, she's got this cruise of oil. And it's about empty. But she keeps going back every day, and she's dipping down in. Do you think that, ever th- ever, that thing ever got full? It never got full. I don't believe it ever got full. Do you believe it ever got full? She just kept dipping in there, and every time she needed a handful, there it is. That's the way God works. You know why God doesn't provide for most of us? Because we don't need his help. But in reality, he has provided for us. Right? Get what I mean there. Notice 16, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil, according to the word of the Lord which he spake. According to the word of the Lord which he spake through Elijah. Verse 17, and it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, he fell sick. The sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have I do to do with thee, O thou man of God? What are you saying? It's gotten worse. This is worse than being without food. I'd rather die of starvation than what's going on. Isn't that right? That's what she's saying. And he said, notice what she said. Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? I'll get into that later. And he said in there, verse 19, give me thy son. Give me. We've got to let go sometimes, right? Give me. Uh, those who are struggling with, with people in their life that you want to see God work in their life, give it to God. Give me thy son. There's something real there. 
And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. Verse 20, and he prayed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon this widow with whom I sojourn? We've been through this thing together, Lord, and I have a strong uh, compassion for her. Have you done this, Lord, to slay her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times. I can't help but connect, and I want to say this about the three times. Paul, remember, he prayed about his thorn in the flesh three times, 2 Corinthians 10 or 12. Prayed about three times, and the Lord didn't hear him, or the Lord didn't answer him according to what he wanted to hear. Prayed three times. You look, there's something two threes. I'm not telling you pray three times and quit. I don't have that authority, but there's something to it. He prayed three times. Maybe he prayed once and nothing happened. Maybe it got on, laid on him again and nothing happened. And the third time it worked. I don't know. And he said, and he cried unto the Lord, verse 20. And then verse 21, he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord. This is again. He said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. Wow. You know, David did that and it didn't happen. Right? David prayed for his son and God didn't bring him back to life, did he? You know, I prayed before and it didn't work out. Have you? Don't quit praying just because you don't get the right answer. Verse 22, and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. That's the word of the hearing. God can always hear, but there's a difference between hearing you and having a hearing. God heard him and answered. Notice, and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and delivered him unto his mother, and Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. So she gave her son, and now she gets him back. She gave him dead, and she received him alive. That's the way we give. We get more back than what we ever give to God. Verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this, I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy, is in thy mouth is true. Well, he was a prophet of God speaking the word of God. He's just like the Bible, the same authority as the Bible. And we have his words and we need to know more about Elijah because we know, need to know about the God of Elijah. I'm going to give you some reference verses and we're not going to turn there. Ephesians 3.20 2 Corinthians 3, 5, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request, he said, and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then on and on I could give you references where this is teaching us to look to God, to put God first, and to trust God. Trust God. Not as a last resort, but as our first thought. And if it is your last resort, better then than never. 
Now's the best time to put God first. Now, the chapter begins with the curse. God put a curse on the ground. It, it has to do with, with Ahab and his life and the way the kingdom is going. I mean, it's going far away from God, and, and so God puts a curse on the ground for three and a half years. Why does he do it? Because he's mad at them? No, because that is God's way of calling us to repentance. When things go bad, sometimes they go bad because you just go bad. Sometimes when things go bad, it's God calling us to repent. And every time things go bad, we should evaluate our walk with God and the direction that we're going. And do I need to repent? Most often we do. Don't be discouraged by that. But the curse is because of Ahab's sin. Ahab is a very interesting character in the Bible. You need to learn about him. He's he's not the average evil guy. He is very evil, more evil than any. But yet he fears God. But he doesn't fear him enough to obey him. Boy, that's something, isn't it? So Ahab, he's the one that prompted the Baal worship. And he promoted it. And uh, so... We need to look at our world that we're in and, you know, we need to say, is our world turning to the Lord or is our world turning away from God? And then we ought to evaluate the, the, the problems that we're having in the world and say, hey, is God trying to get our attention? When I say that, God doesn't try. He does, right? But through what's going on, is there, is there... <clears throat> The opportunity that God has given us to repent, to turn. Now, the condition of the northern kingdom during the reign of Elijah was terrible. It was terrible, but God sent a prophet named Elijah and other prophets to proclaim his word to these people because of God being a merciful God. God is merciful. Whatever the problem is, pestilence, famine, war, we the people of God have to endure it, but we need to be calling out to God and crying out to God. That's just like this election coming up on Tuesday. You know, more than we pray about the outcome, we need to be praying that there would be peace in our world, in our country. That's our job. Now the good news in the text is that God provides this drought, you could look it up later, but it's James chapter 5, verse 17 18. It lasted three and a half years. That's where we learned the three and a half years mark, which resembles the tribulation, the, the greater part of the great tribulation, the halfway point of the tribulation. During the seven years of tribulation, there's the first half and the second half, and the second half is much uh, greater than the first half. So there's a little bit of a pattern established there. But then I want to go on and look at the provisions that God provided. Look at verse 3. And he said, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Kareth, and that is before Jordan, and, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. I have commanded the raven to feed thee there. And so what did he do? He was obedient. He did what God told him to do. God provided for him. God gave him meat. It says bread. Sometimes in the Bible, <coughs> the word bread 
we think of bread as bread sometimes, honestly, now, sometimes if you look into it, the word bread is used just for meal, for meal, food, you know. So we don't know. Maybe it was self-rising bread. Hey, God, God could have served up a can of biscuits if he wanted to. Amen? We don't know about that. Not important, is it? But God provided for him. Verse 6. And the raven brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank of the brook. You need two meals a day, apparently. Or he, he did, at least. Now, he's probably having to cook it, but this is the first time we see Uber Eats, right? Somebody's probably read that right there and said, hey, I got an idea. God provides the raven. Now, the raven is a very unusual bird, isn't he? He's, he's in the Bible often, the black bird, right? He kind of looks like the devil. You can see some patterns where the raven is illustrative of evil, illustrative of, of, of the devil, a black bird, a raven. And God doesn't always use the dove to provide, does he? He uses the raven. God doesn't always use the means that we desire to provide. Some of us don't even want to eat after one another, and he's eating after a raven. God provides in unusual ways. God provides. Not, a, not ever unethical ways. God doesn't pro- provide in unethical ways or illegal ways. Okay, let's make sure we get this. God provides in unusual ways, but never unethical or illegal ways. Make sure we know that. Well, preacher, I got into selling this kind of stuff, and I know it's illegal, but God's providing. No, God's not providing. God is not providing. God can use the devil to provide for you, though, right? The lady at the grocery store, remember? I've told you that story. She comes in, comes in, and always bragging on God, meeting her needs, and so he wants to fix her up. He delivers her meals down to her doorstep. One day she comes in and says, you know, I don't really need anything today. I just want to come in and brag on God, providing for my needs. And she's, he said, I got her set up. He, she, he said, I'm the one that brought that food down to your house. And, of course, you know the story. She said, yeah, and God used the devil to deliver it. Now, the creek dries up, doesn't it? Right? Verse 7, the creek dries up. Hey, sometimes the creek dries up. God, you know, however God has provided in the past, it's not a sign that he will always provide that way. It changes. You know, I think every, Christians, everything we do and all of our traditions that we develop are eternal flame. You remember the flame there that's still going at John F. Kennedy's grave? Everything we do in life is like that eternal flame. We got to keep it going. We can't change. God is always changing things. Now God's nature never changes. And sometimes we read because God's nature doesn't change. We cannot change the, the style of worship. And we can't change the pews. And we can't change the color of the carpet. And we can't change the painting, the wall. We can't change this because God, no, God changes things. Change is good. 
By the way, we all need to change all the time. We need, in church, things need to change all the time. You say, why does things need to change all the time? Because we get attached to the way things are, and we don't want to change. Now, I heard amen from the younger people here, but I need an old folks amen on that. The creek dried up. Oh, Elijah got into that routine, man. I'm, I'm a guy. I love routine, don't y'all? I love routine. I love to get... And a routine can become a rut if you're not careful. It can be a rut. He's, getting, he's, he's living on this meat and bread and provisions. And he's used to, to it being delivered to him. But God's changing. Sometimes God is moving us when he changes things. Sometimes God is teaching us. When things change. Sometimes God is bringing someone else into the picture. And in our case, God is changing things to bring someone else into the picture. There's a starving widow that has been talking to God. I just read it all week and I didn't write it down. But the indication is in the text. And I assigned to you to find where I got that point from. It's there, I promise She had been talking to God, and God said, How am I going to get Elijah down here to take care of this woman? See, we think, when we look at it, that the woman's taking care of God, God's man. But the reality is, this woman's about to starve to death, and she'd been talking to God, and God says, i got to get my prophet down there to this woman's house because she's going to starve to death, her and her son, if I don't get him down there. How am I going to get him down there? God said, I'm not going to tell him to leave those wonderful situations that he's in with that raven. I'm going to take the raven away. I'm going to take that raven away, and then that's going to force him to move. He'll listen to me when the raven's gone. Oh, Lord, help me. I don't always listen when the raven's providing. Hallelujah. Explosive service today. That's okay. Don't worry about that. We'll pick it up later. (laughs) Hey, the raven had to be moved. Sometimes we are in this groove that becomes a rut. We get to where we don't even pray. God's taking care of things. It's all, and, and we even, I think we even get to the place where we take for granted that God is taking care of things. And we don't even thank God for taking care of things. Ooh, ain't that human nature? Ain't that us? So, here's what happened. The reason God's moving us, uh, the first one, uh, sometimes God moves us just To move us. Sometimes he moves us to teach us. He's moving him to bring someone else in. And then verse 8 it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him. God told him. Doing God's will brought him through this tough time, but he's going to have to be faithful to listen to God, to move when God wants him to move. I am the guy that likes the, the, the routine that becomes a rut, and I fail to listen sometimes, many times. Now, verse 10, So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, there was a widow woman was there gathering sticks, and he called in there and said, 
Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. God's just putting it together, isn't he? We, we see God at work here. He's just putting everything together. He's telling me, he said, you need to go down to Zerbeth, and, and I want you to go there, and there's a widow woman that, that I want you to meet, and, and I want you to go there, and she's going to provide for you. This is no... This, this, what, what does Elijah do? He goes down there, and he, he's looking for a widow woman. That's all the information he has. So he's looking for a widow woman, Right? And so, I don't know what you would have done, but Elijah didn't question it. When he saw this widow woman, he assumed that was the one that God was talking about. And he's going to go with it until God changes his mind. And that's the way you do the will of God, isn't it? So, he goes there in obedience. The widow woman is out there doing the best she can with what she has. She's gathering up sticks, going to have fish sticks. And it says, and, and, and verse 11, And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. He calls out. This is God. He speaks to our heart. He speaks to our ears. He speaks to us. When you're going down the highway and there's somebody standing on the side of the road and God may just call out. Hey, why don't you pick that guy up? I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you listen to God. Listen to God. Now it says in verse 12, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth. She's acknowledging he's a prophet of God. She said, I have not a cake. I don't have a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I'm gathering two sticks. We don't usually eat sticks, but we're gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress the sticks for me and my, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it, and then we're going to die. This may have been a medical procedure to end your life. I don't know that. I I wouldn't think so. But God is going to provide for her in an unexpected source. This whole text, an underlying, the above all is that God is God and he, he's, he's God of all things. And underlying here is that God provides, God provides, that God works in the affairs of mankind. And so then we see giving God what we have and trusting God for what we need. Is that not a truth that we need to hear constantly? Giving God what we have and trusting God for what we need. Verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, underline it, but make me therefore a little cake first. Now, you listen to the contemporary people talk about this text, they're going to call him a masculine, a difficult, A-type personality that needs to be corrected. But he's just being the man, the man of God. He said, make me a cake first and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. I'm guaranteeing you that wasn't the way she was thinking. She was thinking, I don't have anything left. I'm going to take care of my son that God has given me. I love my son. I'm going to provide for my son. And that's, the mo- and that's nothing wrong with that until you hear a word from God. 
Now listen, don't go throwing your groceries into somebody's lap every day. You know, the wife goes and buys groceries, and you take them out of the counter and take them to somebody that needs them. That's not, that's not what this is teaching. This is teaching to be sensitive to God's voice. You just starve yourself to death you do it that way. Need to be sensitive to the voice of God. So God is teaching us to give God what we have and trust God for what we need. So Elijah asked her for a little water first. Back up here in the first part at the, you know, look at how God's laying this out so she can get a hold of it. Back there at the gate, he he, he says, uh, uh, "Go go get me a, a glass of water, would you?" Now, wait a minute. If she wouldn't have done that. Elijah would immediately assume I don't have the right woman. Come on. Are you with me? This is important. He said, he, he's, he's putting out the will of God. He's putting out the will of God here. He's putting out the direction that God gives us. He said, uh, would you uh, go get me uh, a, a cup of water, please? And he would, have not come, he would not have come back and said, I'm telling you, you better do it. No, that, the Spirit of God doesn't operate that way. He said, go get me a cup of water. If she would have not done it, he would have looked for another widow woman. Of course, knowing the will of God, we know that wasn't going to happen, right? But that's the way it works. So he puts it out, get me a cup of water. Then she does that. And then she tells him his sto- her story. She tells Elijah her story about, hey, you know, we're just gathering sticks here, and we're going to go back to the house, and I'm going to take that meal and that oil, make a little batter, I'm going to put it on the sticks, and then we're going to have fish sticks, and we're going to die. So Elijah said, ding, ding, I got my woman. Right? This is the one that God was referring to. And so then he goes, and he takes it a step further. Right? He says, here's what you need to do. You need to go... In your meal, take your meal and you'll make me a, bre- a, a, a cake of bread. I only got one, a little one. He said, uh, that'll do, I'll just do that. No, he didn't say all that. He just gave her a word, didn't he? And so, God often approaches us like this. Give me the last of what you have. Give me all of what you have. Because God is trying our heart. Give me the last of what you have. Give me all of what you have. Now you may be a lady here that's dealing with an honorary husband. That very seldom ever happens. Give it to God. Give him a break. After all, he is a man. That means he's not as smart as you to start with. Right? Give it to God. What does the Bible teach us about how to win the heart of a husband? Peter tells us, right? Y'all listening now? Peter tells us how to win the heart of a husband. By surrendering. Surrendering. I'd like to say the word obey. I love doing those weddings. These women walk in. They don't know a thing about Christianity, and I marry them. They call me Mary and Randy. 
I don't know what they call me. I, I don't want to hear it either. I love it. Get down to those. I, I, I use those traditional vows. And I come down. And to obey. I can tell what kind of woman she is right then. What? What? Obey? I ain't getting in this thing to obey nobody. I'm looking for a man that can provide for me. <laughs> you smart if you are. But that, that's it. That's how you win a husband's heart is by s- submission. Is that a Bible word? Let's hear a ladies' amen. I think I heard one. This is not very popular in these days. And if you are a single woman and you are dating a Christian man, run! Run! Submission. Ladies, I ain't getting over this until you give me an amen. And sooner we do it, the quicker we'll get out of here. And thank you. I knew I'd get your support then. Come on, now listen. To that there. That is a neglect. We we have been flooded with the Me Too and, and, and that's good stuff. I'm not I'm not against all I'm not against what that is correcting, okay? Understand me there. But I am the liberation movement is not for liberation, but to be unliberated. It is. It's that's not of God. Man, I had a good sermon going until I got there. That's the work of the preacher. She gave him her meal and her oil. She gave him the first part. I remember a little lad that gave Jesus his lunch. And Jesus fed 5,000. And I remember there was 12 baskets left over when it was all said and done. Trusting God for what it is. That's it. Verse 13 in our text, it says... And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me first a little cake. Make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. Look at that. Bring it unto me after make for thee and thy son. Elijah said, Go get me a cake and bring it in here. I'm sitting here in front of the TV watching. I'm watching a football game. Go over to the kitchen and get me something. Make me some cake there, and, and I'll just be sitting here waiting on you. I won't interfere. I'll be good and stay out of your business. Sound like Charlie Carrier, don't it? <laughs> he was trained by one of the best at that. Fear not first. That's the key. That's, that's, You've got to separate foolishness from truth when I'm preaching, okay? <laughs> Fear not first. Two key words. Or not, I sound like Joe Biden now. That's three words. Fear not two words. First. One word. And she's willing. And God took the last that she had and provided for her until the end of the drought. Lots of references. I don't have time. God, Elijah gave her a promise. Verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord send rain upon the earth. All right, ladies, would you cheer up and get back in touch with me right now? I can sense the lack of listening. That part's done. 
We're done with that. And it's true. It's true. So, verse 14. Look at her action. Verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And what is that? And she and he and her house did eat for many days. Some of you ladies are still saying, you ain't dealing with my husband like I got to. Hey, God will deal with him if you do right. She tapped into God's unlimited sources. Come on now. She tapped into God's unlimited sources. And God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Verse 16, it says, And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. She gave God, and God gave to her. Remember the, the inventor of the heavy equipment to move the earth? I can't think of his name right now. Laterno. Laterno. And he was given 90% of his income to God and living on 10% of his income somewhere in his life for the rest of his life. He gave to works. All of the, you see many great works in America today. And it was Laterno that is the founder, uh, gave the money for the founding of those great ministries. Moody Bible Institute is one of them. There's many others. Uh, and many of these, I could tell you story after story about people like this. But he said this. They said, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? You give to God 90%. How do you do it? He said, it's like this. I got my, my bucket and I dip into my resource and, and I give it to God and God's got a bigger bucket than I do and he just keeps pouring it back in. That's not all the story. Verse 17, we get into this and it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick and his sickness was so sore that there was no bread left, uh, no breath left in him. Okay, so God's been meeting material needs. Now he's going to meet spiritual needs, real needs, big needs. And her response, I need to get into that and we'll quickly close this today. Here's what her response was. I knew it was going to not turn out good. I knew it wasn't going to turn out good. God sent you here to spy out my sins and, and to punish me. That's her exact response. I knew it wasn't working. I knew I was living it too good for, for it was too good to be true. Is that not the way we look at things so often? I knew. It just couldn't keep it up. God sent you here. I'm set up. I've been set up. I got real happy. I got real, I started going to church and things was going well and then boom, it hit me. That's not true. What we think is not true. So often it's not true. God is a good God. God is a loving God. Elijah says, give me your son. She had to give him her meal first, didn't she? First of all, she gave him her time and listening to him. Then she gave him her meal and all. Now she's got to give him her son. You've got to give him to God for God to resurrect him. And the woman experienced a resurrection, which is symbolic of a spiritual resurrection that 
many of us need in our families. We got loved ones that need to be spiritually resurrected. We need to give them to God. Elijah, a man of like passion, he prayed for him and he felt responsible for it. He felt accountable for it. He felt like, man, this I brought this on this lady, and that's not untrue. Or that that happens when you're in ministry. When you're in ministry, uh, somehow or another, you feel responsible for the bad things that happen in people's lives. That's just, man, that's just a part of the warfare that you're in. And so he lays down on this boy, very unusual thing, because his life, the power of God, needs to get into him and raise him. I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to do that. This is the prophet of God. Remember Elisha? Elisha? He raised... Dead bones, right? When they dropped his body in the grave. These are prophets of God. I'm not a prophet of God. I'm a preacher of God. Don't call on me to do that. That'd be just more than... That's not my department. So, third time, he, he, life comes back into him. So it begins with feeding their stomach. And it ends with feeding their soul. Isn't that a great way to start things? Feeding their stomachs and then feeding their soul. Spiritual food. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this stuff may be foreign to you. And I think sometimes as Christians we don't follow these patterns. We don't study these things and we don't learn these patterns of how God works. I want to challenge you to live the Christian life in a deeper way by looking at the Old Testament, studying the ways of God, the works of God. I'm not trying to tell you to imitate them. I'm just saying learn from them. But you're not a Christian today. We want to invite you to come to Jesus. I want you to stand, all of us. Susan comes, gives us a soft invitation. Our heads are bowed. Lord, thank you for your word. Let us learn from these Old Testament stories about how you work, the ways of God, and how you work in our life. Speak to anyone that does not know Jesus today. Speak to the people that know you, Lord, to learn the ways of God. And let someone come and kneel here and surrender to the ways of God. In Jesus' name, let's sing. come now. If it's, if it's on your heart to come, you come. If you need to lay it down on the altar, come lay it down on the altar today. Just as I am without one but that thy blood shed for me and that Bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. You need to come today, maybe you don't want to, but need to, you come. Would you surrender to God as this woman did? She surrendered and trusted the Lord.
softly now just